<sighs> okay. Thanks, Galen. That's true. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, Mozambique is uh, a country that does not make world headlines that easily. Uh, I mean, one person gets beheaded in England and it makes global news. Or 13 get beheaded by ISIS that were Egyptians and that makes global news. Here, 50 get beheaded in Mozambique and nobody hears about it. Well, I'm grateful that uh, we were both tested last Sunday for COVID and our test proved negative. Thank you for your prayers for us uh, in this um, bout with sickness that we've had over the past week. And praise the Lord, we're on the other side. Uh, Janet had prepared to share in uh, continuation of our study of Ephesians in chapter 4. Uh, so I'm going to let her continue that series next week, Lord willing. Uh, but today, I want to share a word that's been in my heart for several weeks. And I've not known where or when uh, I'd have the opportunity to share until this morning. I, it's really deeply in my heart. The Middle East. Hmm. The Middle East. Almost 30 years of my life. It's the region of the world that's riddled with broken promises agreements and commitments. People are suspicious of everyone in the Middle East. To me personally, it's been astonishing that Arab Muslim countries have recently signed peace agreements with Israel in the midst of all of the rest of the global chaos that got very little attention. This is historic. And if the Nobel Peace Prize Committee did not disdain our president, I think he already would receive the three nominations that he's up for to getting the Nobel Peace Prize for brokering that peace with Israel and the United Arab Emirates, the Bahrain and Sudan, and now they're talking to Saudi Arabia. That's where Mecca is to the Muslims. So it's astounding, unprecedented. The Middle East has been known for people who really do not trust one another. Peace agreements have been easily broken, and the root cause, the root cause, is that people are no longer committed to their word. Commitment involves character and integrity. And these are vital components in all relationships. And one significant aspect of commitment is keeping your word. And that's what I want to address today. 
So I want you to start by just asking yourself a rhetorical question. How committed am I to fully keeping my word, both to God and to others? What about God? Is God committed to keeping his word? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I want to thank you that you are totally committed to keeping your word. Amen. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us this morning. Uh, Lord, two weeks ago when I shared on Be One in this series on Ephesians, look at it in Ephesians 4, the, the oneness that we are reminded. And Lord, that powerful aspect of unity is realizing the power that is in our words. With our mouths we condemn and with our mouths we bless. And Lord, you really had us look to have an examination of what comes out of our mouths, which originates in our hearts. But Lord, I pray that this morning, as I simply sound the shofar once again, that you would sound an alarm in our hearts, that something could change within us that could help us to become a little more like Jesus. So grant, I pray, great grace upon our hearing and recognizing the voice of the Master because you for sure have something to share with us, your sons and daughters. Father, speak forth, we pray, to the glory and the majesty in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We can be totally confident. God always, 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 always keeps his word. I love what King David writes in Psalm 119, verse 89. Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. He also writes in Psalm 18.30, As for God, his way is perfect. Psalm 18.30, The word of the Lord is tested and it's tried. And he's a shield to all those who take refuge in and put their trust in him. God's word is solid. You can totally depend upon it. He's faithful to keep his word and to fulfill all of his promises always. I like author John Stott. He wrote an, a great thought about this subject. He says, if it is a word from God, it has authority over men. God's word carries God's absolute authority. And it is because of who he is that we believe what he said. For behind every word that anybody speaks stands the person who speaks it. And it is the man or the woman behind their words that will determine how people regard their words. His word will determine his character, his knowledge, and his respect. Too often we do not think before we speak. 
And as I mentioned earlier, I shared a bit about this two weeks ago in the B1 message. You know, without thinking about the consequences of our words, we make irresponsible statements and commitments. So what happens when we do that? Well, people get hurt. People get offended. People get disappointed when we make promises and commitments that we do not keep. Here's a take home from this morning. When we break promises, the authority behind our words is weakened. The authority behind our words is weakened. People lose respect for those who do not keep their word. Inconsistency weakens your authority. And this is especially true for those in positions of authority. <clears throat> Parents with their children, employers with employees, husbands and wives, even pastors with their congregants. When you break your commitment to keeping your word, you lessen your authority with those to whom you gave your word. And this is in an unseen realm, but it just automatically happens. We lose authority. The bottom line is simply this. The authority of your words and my words, the authority of our words is going to rest upon our commitment to fulfill what we said. You know, i uh, sharing an example. There was a, a man... <clears throat> in our congregation that just really had a difficult time with his uh, oldest son. His son was a senior in high school, obviously rebellious. Um, you know, this was going back when tattoos weren't that common. And he had lots of tattoos and body piercings, and his, his dad just disagreed with so much of what was happening in his life. You could tell by looking at this young man that the crowd that he kept with were also rebellious. You know, rebellion attracts rebellion. I know firsthand. And he came for counseling because he really wanted to get to some root. He was throwing his hands up in the air. I, I don't know what to do with this boy. He never listens to me. He never obeys. He does his own thing. He's disrespectful. He swears. So in the midst of counseling, you know, the first thing is to start asking, well, okay, uh, have you done anything that has hurt him? Uh, uh, disappointed? No, no, I'm fine. I, I'm a good father. I provide well for him. I've got a good job. I've given him everything he's wanted. Immediately a red flag went up. You've given him everything he's wanted. Mm. Mm. But... We couldn't find out what some of the root cause was. And he just, father was coming up innocent. It's not my fault, it's his fault. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So after a series of questions of looking to draw out and getting no positive responses, the question came to this father, have you ever made a commitment to your son in which he had really been hoping for that you broke your promise? 
No, 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 I've, I've, I've been fine. I said, let's just be quiet. After a deafening 30 seconds of silence, he said, well, this is probably nothing. But years ago, when my son was in Cub Scouts, there was going to be the annual Cub Scout Jamboree. And I had looked forward to that with my son, and we were all set. We had gotten camping equipment and everything, and I had the, that weekend reserved, and, and no problem. We were all set to go. And that Sunday night, I got a phone call from our company, and they said they had an emergency meeting with me Monday before the Cub Scout Jamboree. And they said, we have a closed deal of this huge contract and you're the best closer we have and we want you to go and close the deal and this is going to be a huge bonus for you and for the whole company. Man said, I can't do that. I, I, I promised my son we're, we're going on the Cub Scout Jamboree this weekend. You'll be able to take him on a dozen Cub Scout Jamboree. In fact, you'll be able to take him to Disneyland a dozen times. Don't worry about that one weekend. And he battled at first, but they won him over. And he said, you know, I forgot when I told my son that he said, yeah, I thought so. And he said, I had never put this together until right now. So he was encouraged, you're going to need to go and Ask your son's forgiveness. He said, well, I did that already. I said, you didn't do it to the degree of where he heard it to make a difference. You may need to ask forgiveness many times. Maybe even hundreds of times. But I would ask that you would ask God to break your heart. That you could feel the pain in your son's heart. Because if you can show that your heart is as painful as his was, then maybe your son will hear your apology. So he started the journey of asking forgiveness and his son would just walk away. And he said, man, I asked him seven times this week. I said, listen, try 14 this upcoming week or 20 or 30 Numerous times drowned him with forgiveness. I said, but your heart has really got to be there first. It was about seven months later that finally the dad was so broken of God allowing him to see how deeply he wounded his firstborn son that he fell to his knees and begged him to forgive him. And in that puddle of brokenness, the son got down on his knees and looked at him and said, Dad, I do forgive you. But look how much breaking had to occur for that one broken commitment. We have no idea the damage that can be done with our broken promises. This was a culmination of years of rebellion from Cub Scout to now senior in high school. 
The dictionary defines commitment as being committed with dedication to the application of one's word. Second definition is an obligation that restricts freedom of action in order to fulfill one's word or one's promise. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 15. This is such a great psalm. David is writing about the man who can abide in God's tent or God's tabernacle and dwell on God's holy mountain. Now, there are many things that are listed in this psalm. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but I want to mention the last part of verse 4. The last part of verse 4, because this is very difficult to translate from the Hebrew expression. Okay, from the New King James, it translates, he swears to his own hurt. Now, this phrase is, is difficult to translate, but of all the English translations, I think the New Living Translation catches the thought. Here's what the New Living says. Second part of verse 4, the faithful keep their word even when it hurts. Now, in the beginning of this psalm, King David asked the Lord a good question. Verse 1, who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Now, listen to how David answers reading from the Living Bible. David answers his own question, anyone who leads a blameless life, who is truly sincere and keeps a promise, even if it ruins him. Wow. That's it. Keeping a promise, even if it ruins you. That is being faithful, totally to your word. Now, what about you? What about me? Do we keep our word even when it costs us dearly? When you are faithful to your word, even if it hurts to keep it, the authority behind your words is secure. People will trust you. How sad that today we question the promises of our politicians. Many politicians have made strong allegations and powerful commitments and have not been held accountable when they've not come up with the goods. Friends, our country is in the greatest crisis it's ever been in modern times. Our political structure for honesty and integrity is collapsing. Where are the intercessors? I saw Isaiah 59. I saw justice falling in the streets. There is no justice. Where is he that does integrity? He could not be found. And then he looked to see... Where is the intercessor, the one who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land and the people for God to bring forth justice and righteousness? And he found none. I pray God is finding intercessors these days. 
Here again, there's power in the words that we speak from two weeks ago. It is easy to criticize. It is godly to intercede. That's taking what we see and bringing it to God rather than bringing it to others. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to pray every single day for our government leaders. Pray integrity into them. Pray righteousness into them. Righteousness exalts a nation, the scripture says. But sin is a reproach to any people. How is it that business agreements can no longer be conducted with a good solid handshake? I mean, we're prime timers. We can remember that. Can you remember? Okay, it's a deal. That was it. Today, we need a legal firm to make sure that the commitments that we make, we will not break. How sad that both parents and children have, diff have a difficult time in communing truth with each other if there's been broken promises from either side. And even more serious is the fact that Christians, even pastors, do not always do what we say. My prayer is that the spirit of truth would help us in these days. And God is looking at the lives of his people in this crisis. He's looking for my people who are called by my name. If we will humble ourselves, that's the first thing God's looking for is humility. And pray. And seek my face. Lord, I want greater intimacy with you. I want the spirit of truth to fill my life. Fill my mouth, fill my heart. And then turn from our wicked ways. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, oh God. Then I'll hear from heaven, says the Lord. I'll forgive your sin and I'll heal your land. The healing of our land is determined by the state of the church. Amen. You know, breaking your word can easy, easily become a chronic character flaw. With some people, it can last throughout their entire life. And that's why the solution to this situation is found in the classic passage that I just quoted. Second Chronicles 7.14 is the pivotal verse for the healing of a nation, but it's all focused, fine focused on the church, God's people. So I pray that we... Humble ourselves in this season. I want to encourage you to ask the Lord if he could grace you with some type of fasting. I'm really grateful. I went on the longest fast that I've done in all of our years of marriage just several weeks ago. God was really working in my heart. Stuff was coming to the surface. All of the Second Chronicles, first part of Verse 14 of chapter 7 was alive in me. I wanted to humble myself. I wanted to pray. I wanted to seek his face. I wanted to turn from my wicked ways, and God's faithful. 
to the degree that we want to hear from him will probably be the degree that we will hear. But he looks for the desperateness of our hearts. I pray that we'd be in a humble place where it'd be easy for us to be convicted by the Spirit. Confess our faults of so easily talking to others about negative things that we see rather than going to God who's the only one who can make a difference anyway. That the Lord will forgive us of our broken promises and commitments that we have made. You know, that man didn't find out. He didn't remember about the Cub Scout Jamboree until about 40 minutes into a counseling call, counseling situation. 40 minutes before it even dawned on him. And it was being focused almost continually. Some of the things go deeper in our hearts and our memories. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But I pray that if we do our part, we humble ourselves, we pray, we seek his intimacy, we turn from our wicked ways that he shows us, then we choose to live differently. And that's where the healing begins. Wouldn't it be great if people could say this about us? He's a man of his word. Her, she's a woman of her word. This is an essential part of God's character development in our lives. So simply when there's a designated time for meeting, simply be there on time. I'm so thrilled with our prime timers. It's unfortunate that we have uh, less among us today. Two weeks ago, this room was full. And before COVID, it was even more full. But I'm thankful that most of you are not only on time when we start at 840, you're here at around 830 or some even start coming at a quarter after just to visit. I think that's thrilling. If only the whole church of Jesus would have that type of desire. When you commit to do something or to someone, follow through, follow through, follow through. Precious friends, here's the, here, here's the, the takeaway pearl. There will be an increase of authority behind our words when we are committed to keeping them. Our words will be weighty and they will carry authority. You'll earn people's respect and be considered trustworthy and faithful. Your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren will honor you for years to come. Your name will be respected, and your words will carry great authority because people will trust that what you say you will do. So keep your word, no matter what the cost. I want to pray into Psalm 89 in closing this morning, so you can turn there if you want. I want to pray into several verses. I'm going to read the verse and then I'll, I'll pray. 
I want to start out in verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. Father, faithfulness surrounds you. It covers you. It is your mantle. Faithful is he who calls us. And faithful is he who will bring it to pass. Well, Father, today we desire that type of covering and surrounding as well. May we be found faithful. When all of us see you face to face, we're going to hear that word faithful. Either we have been or have not been. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Lord, surround us with your faithfulness, O God. Protect us like a shield, a protective shield of your faithfulness. And Lord, we want to pray that we'd be faithful to all that you call us to and to all that we commit ourselves to, just like you do. Verses 11 and 12 and 14. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all its fullness, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. <laughs> Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Father, we acknowledge that you are the creator of all. And that your throne, your throne, the place where you sit, that majestic presence of God, you sit on a throne of righteousness and justice. Lord, you're full of mercy. And all that you do, everything you do is based on truth. Oh, Lord, we need that truth in our lives. Spirit of truth, we welcome you anew and afresh today. We welcome your truth into our families. Lord, we welcome your truth into our nation today. And Lord, I pray that the leadership of America will walk in righteousness, oh God. I pray our leadership would walk in justice, oh God. I pray that our leadership would walk in truth, oh God. Lord, that mercy and faithfulness would be the hallmarks of the United States of America. God, I pray that we'd be able to treat others with your mercy and your truth, your righteousness, your faithfulness. Lord, I just cry out you'd heal our land. Lord, injustice is everywhere. Violence, indifference, oh God, establish your kingdom here in the United States of America, I pray. Right here, oh God. May there be a fulfillment of these verses prayed into the life of our nation and each of us as individuals. Verses 15 and 16. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long. And in your righteousness they are exalted. Lord, may we walk in your favor. We want to put smiles on the face of our Father. We want to be sons and daughters in whom you're well pleased. Our lives become a blessing to you. 
That's my boy. That's my girl down there. Smile upon us, Father, I pray. I pray you remove all iniquity within our hearts that would cause us to turn your face away. Free us, O oh God. Free our land of deception, hypocrisy, lies, and unrighteousness. Free us in the name of Jesus. I pray a loosening of the deception, a loosening of the spirit of fear, the hypocrisy, the lies, all the unrighteousness be loosed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I bind us to the will of God. I bind us to the spirit of truth. I take this step of faith by just binding us to everything that is godly, righteousness, and good. And Lord, we confess our sins to you. And we ask that the blood of Jesus would cleanse us of our sin, cleanse your church of our sin, and cleanse our nation, O oh God. Lord, we pray truth over our nation. I pray that we might rejoice in you. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Lord, we want to hear the joyful sound. We want to be people that are rejoicing. This is Thanksgiving. And in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning each of us. So we choose to give thanks this morning, Lord. We choose that. In the midst of your cleansing, in the midst of your washing. And we pray the truth over our nation, the spirit of truth to penetrate your church and this, our nation. And I pray, Lord, that you would infuse with a fresh measure of rejoicing in our God. That in the midst of chaos happening everywhere, we are a people with a joyful sound. We pray that righteousness would be exalted in our lives and in our country. In verses 17 and 18, for you, for you, O Lord, are the glory of their strength. And in your favor, our strength is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord and our king to the Holy One of Israel. Lord, you are the glory of our strength. And it's only in your favor and blessing that we ever find a place of strength. It's in your favor and your blessing and your goodness. And all of our protection and all of our defense is in you and in you alone. We hide in you, Lord. Hide us in the cleft of the rock. Lord, would you favor America? Would you bless America again with your righteousness and your justice? Oh, Lord God of our founding fathers, almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Redeemer, our everything, hear our prayers, Lord. Hear our prayers, Lord. And personally, Lord, we just really do want you to forgive us for commitments or promises. Lord, I, it just 
catches me when, when I hear uh, we, we, people so easily say, I promise you. I just go, ooh, ooh. Don't be so quick to make that heavy commitment. But Lord, to those commitments that we have made and have not kept, would you cleanse us and forgive us this morning, Lord? We humble ourselves and we pray to you. And Lord, we're longing for greater intimacy than what we now know. And we are determined to turn from our wicked ways this morning, Lord. Forgive us for broken promises, unkept words, commitments that we've, we've just broken. We've had all the excuses just like that father did. He could have taken his son on 20 jamborees, but Lord, it was that one that his heart's that his son's heart was set on. And that was the one, that broken commitment that devastated his son. Lord, I pray, any broken relationships that we might have, would you show us what our part has been in the breaking of that? Thank you that we are called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. We are meant to establish peace and make peace. And peace always requires the death of the initiator. Jesus, you came to establish peace, but it cost you everything. If we really want to make peace, something is going to die. Our pride of life, our resistance to humility of asking forgiveness, whatever it is, Lord, I pray we would become genuine peacemakers from your perspective. And the beauty is, if we do become peacemakers, then you say they shall be called sons of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You purchased us with your blood. Yes. We are sons and daughters. I pray we be sons and daughters that you are pleased with and that are walking in the light of the spirit of truth, following the convictions of God, making the confessions needed, and having a heart transformation turn from every element of wickedness right into the Father's embrace. So, Lord, I know this... this uh, it penetrated my heart this week. And you reminded me of a couple of things that I've fallen prey to that this word convicted me. And I, I just pray the liberty of your Holy Spirit to accomplish every purpose in your heart of why you had me share this word this morning. So may there be great grace that comes upon each one of us because of our response to your spirit. Not our reaction, not our rejection, our response to your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this weekend of thanksgiving. We do give you thanks. Amen. Amen.
Let's stay praying.